0: You're tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I am truly grateful for each of you for tuning in today. And support for this podcast comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. You've heard me say for many episodes now how reading allows me to learn from others. And I've recently pulled a book off the shelf, redusted it, and I'm gonna share this quote with you today. A hundred years from now, it will not matter what my bank account was, the sort of house I lived in, or the kind of car I drove, but the world may be different because I was important in the life of a child. That's an excerpt from a book called The Dash. It's by Linda Ellis and Mac Anderson. The Dash started off as a poem and then was turned into the form of a book. You can find it at any local bookstore or you can find also uh, just the poem itself by searching the internet using that googly. So search it out, buy the book. I think you will find some great peace in reading it. And, folks, you are listening to episode number 215. My guest today is Peter Gettler. Peter is a not so long ago graduate of Jackson Hole High School, Go Bronx, who moved to Jackson at the age of 12. Peter is currently a student in college. He's in Boulder, Colorado, who has a experience that he's going to share with you today. And reflecting back where Peter is at his age and where I was at my age, I really could not have imagined signing up for an adventure like Peter did for the summer of 2022. Calling this adventure a life-changing experience for sure, Peter has a story to share with you. So please don't compare yourself to what Peter and his fraternity brothers accomplished this summer. But be inspired. Be inspired to find how you can make a difference in other people's lives, just like Peter and all of his fraternity brothers did. The true sense of giving is to give yourself to others. Peter, welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. It is an honor to be able to have some of your time and sit down and have you share an important journey in your life. So thanks for connecting with me
1: today. Yes, sir. Thank you. Can't wait to be here. Uh, I'm excited. Yes, Happy sir. Here.
0: Well, Peter, we start every episode with our guests sharing their history and background. So first, why don't you tell people listening in how old you are?
1: Cool. So yeah, so I'm 21 years old. Yeah. And
0: yeah. what is your connection to Jackson Hole?
1: Yeah, I'm a JHS alum, graduated in 2020. Um, go Bronx. Go Bronx, baby, go Bronx. But so I sadly wasn't born in Jackson. I was born in Columbus, Ohio. And then when I was 12 years old, so in 2014, my family and I moved out to Jackson. So that was sixth grade for myself. And then I was there ever since. Yeah.
0: And Peter, I'm really curious to know, do you recall when you were in sixth grade, What I mean, You had friends, you were 14, you said, is that right?
1: Mm -hmm. No, 12, sorry.
0: 12, okay. Mm -hmm. 12 years old and you're moving. Your parents are saying, hey, we're moving. Mm -hmm. All your friends that you've grown up with, you can still be friends with them, but you're not going to be in the same town. You got to go meet new friends. What was that like for you, man?
1: That's a great question. It was tough. I definitely had it the easiest of my siblings because I was the youngest. I had two older siblings and my brother was a junior in high school, so... As you can probably assume, tough transition for him. But I was probably the most shocked about it. I think immediately I was launched into tears when they first told us. And I was like, no, I don't want to leave. You know, as in 12-year-old wood. But it the really the biggest part about it is um my family is like born and raised Midwest. So he was like both grandparents were within like 10 miles from where I was born, like cousins, aunts, uncles. We had like Sunday night dinners every week. I mean, we were like a really close-knit crew. So when my parents were finally like, hey, we're gonna go, you know, do our own thing out in w- way in Wyoming. It like totally struck and like in a little small Midwest town, but it was definitely hard at first, but everyone here in Jackson was so great right off the bat. Like I felt so welcomed. And I think within like, I mean, I was most worried about like lunch and the first lunch was completely fine. People brought me to the table and they're they my friends ever since. You know, it was, Yeah, it was, it was like that.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in high school, what occupied your time? Were you on the football team?
1: I was on a football team. Yeah, so I kind of was all all over the board. I played basketball until sophomore year and then I quit. I was on the golf team sophomore year because I was played football freshman year and then quit sophomore year and then I came back junior senior year and then I played the cross all four years. And then on top of that, sorry, I, I I was the student body president of the high school as well as like the treasurer for our key club. So yeah, I definitely kept myself quite busy.
0: Yeah, you did. Now. I went to a football game once. It's like one of the few that I've been to here. Uh, and there was somebody by the last name of Gettler that caught a kickoff and ran it for a touchdown.
1: <laughs> was that you? That was great. Yeah, that was me. That's probably the peak of my high school career right there. Thanks. For, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. yeah. So that was against Cody, junior year, number one team coming in and I uh, returned the opening kickoff. That, that was a great game. Mm-hmm.
0: That was phenomenal. I was like, yeah. what about, I can't imagine going to a better
1: game. I know. It was great. I mean, yeah, that definitely was a heck of a game. That's so funny. Bring that up.
0: I mean, there's little things that we remember, right?
1: Heck yeah. No, I mean, tell people, come on. Yeah. Share it. Share it. I love it. And so now
0: what you're going to the university of what?
1: University of Colorado. Okay. Boulder, Colorado.
0: Boulder, Colorado. Okay. Colorado or Colorado?
1: Am I saying it weird? Colorado? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Shoot. Either or, I guess. It's tomato, tomato. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, so you are a junior, is that right?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. So I'm a hey. yeah, I'm a junior. I'm studying economics with a little with a business minor.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I wish you all the best there in in college, but also to make sure you have fun. And you're going to do something pretty cool next year, is that right?
1: Yeah. So I'm going abroad in the spring. Uh-huh. So I am going to a place called Valparaiso, Chile. If you know, we're like. Chile geography it's Santiago and if you go straight to the coast that's where Valparaiso is it's a port city absolutely beautiful but I'm so yeah I'm doing a homestay there so I'm gonna try to like dive in as hard as I can into the like full immersion and into the community I'm really excited about the program I'm doing specifically because I'm going a month before the actual semester classes start and it's I'm just gonna be a part of a month-long intensive Spanish program to like Mm. really kickstart my Spanish learning and hopefully you know become as efficient in conversations as I can, as fast as I can.
0: All right. Good mm-hmm. for you. That's awesome. I didn't ever take advantage of going abroad through school. I had some friends okay. that went to Israel.
1: Nice. Whoa. Uh, Was it like the birthright trip or what did they go?
0: No, it wasn't birthright. They did, it. They did yeah. it a semester abroad.
1: Whoa. Good for that. And
0: they went to Israel.
1: Yeah. That's super fun. I Actually, a good friend of mine here just did their birthright trip over the summer. And oh, so excellent. Fun, just nothing but good things. So, yeah. I've awesome. I've
0: heard it is a phenomenal trip. Someday yeah. I will go, but good yeah. good for you. I, I will Thank encourage you. my kids in ten years when they're
1: in college. Yeah, you should. I mean, that's honestly my dad, he went abroad, but he, you know, he did it in the summer. And it was basically instilled in me when I was, you know, ten years old that you're gonna go abroad when you study. Like it they it basically made it happen, which I'm thankful for for sure. But nice.
0: Now, the reason I invited you on here is cause you did something absolutely remarkable this summer thank you and when your dad was telling me about it i am in rotary with your dad and we okay. see each other at the gym in the mornings and mm-hmm. just around around the town small town and was- i was just blown away just absolutely inspired by what you did and i thought having you here today would be a great way to share with just such a broad community of what you did and how it impacted you. Mm-hmm. So let's start off with what it is that you did cool. and, and what program is it?
1: Yeah. So first off, thank you. That was an unreal introduction. I appreciate that a lot. So what I did is called the Journey of Hope. And so essentially what it is, is here at school, I'm part of a fraternity called Pi Kappa Phi. And so it's the only like fraternity that owns and operates its own philanthropy and so within that the organization that like kind of runs the journey of hope is called the ability experience and so essentially it's a cross-country cycling trip and typically there's three routes this year is only two because covid took a hit as we couldn't you know really operate but more specifically i was on the trans-american route which started in seattle and then we go through like northern washington western side of montana down through jackson which was really special and then clear through to Washington DC. But so along the way, our like mission, our like goal is to raise funds and awareness for people with disabilities. So all the while that you're biking, you would go to certain towns really like wherever you stop. And we had, I think 32 friendship visits is what we call them. And essentially, so that's, we take two hours and we go and visit an organization. It can be any kind of organization. It can be like helping people get employed and teaching employment skills to a child's daycare camp. So just all across the board, you never really know what you're gonna get, but all of them are meaningful in their own way. And so, yeah, we did have to do some fundraising like just before the summer started. I, as a cyclist, had to raise $6,500 minimum to just help fund ourselves with, you know, with cause we had support vans. So we had four support vans with us. So for gasoline, food that we weren't uh, like provided and all, all sorts of things like that.
0: Wow. Seattle to DC. Yes, sir. Tell me, how many students nationally, because Pi Capify is a national fraternity, how many students participate in this each year?
1: So on my route alone, and remember there's so two routes, but on my route alone, there's 23 of us in total. And I think there was 24 to start and then they had some trouble. So then 23 on the other route. So in total, what, 46 Okay, out of a lot of people, obviously in the fraternity, I could not give you a number, but... and. Do you
0: have to apply and be accepted to do this or will they take anybody that wants to do it?
1: More recently since, so as I kind of mentioned, COVID kind of really hit it. And they used mm-hmm. to be, they used to fill three routes of mm-hmm. I think 30 people every year. And so they were able to be more selective in the past. And while I still went like a, definitely a interview process and like sent on my resume. And then I had a few different phone calls in which I discussed like, why well, I want to do this. What's going to motivate me? What all sorts of things like that. They definitely have they aren't able to be as selective now. Thankfully, it is growing and we're getting more and more numbers. But
0: And and so share with people, how many miles
1: did you ride? So we rode in total, I think it was 4,370 miles. And so you got to keep in mind. So we looked it up towards the end of the week or the end of the trip. And you can get across if you're driving in 2,800 miles. Uh And so we, because of the whole friendship thing, like we, like in... The state of Washington, we go to like to Southern Washington and then head back up into like Spokane. So we mm-hmm. definitely not taking the most direct route. But that being like we have to, you know, go see organizations that have been good to us in the past. And, you know, we want to continue to support them and things like that. So definitely not the most direct, but yeah.
0: Understood. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And so let's talk about your experience. Rain or shine? Snow? Heat? Yeah. Rain um, or
1: shine? Yeah. And we got, yeah. We got, we got all of it. I mean, starting in Washington, our day two is like our iconic, like day two, you're going from Anunca, Washington to Yakima. And through that, you go through Mount Rainier National Park. And so basically it's, you know, you're climbing Rainier. Realistically, you're only going about 8,000 miles in Rainier, I believe it's a 14er. And so on that day, we went from rain down the valley in the rainforest, you know, not in the rainforest, but. You know on the western side of Mount Rainier and then we hit the top where there was snow banks above our heads and it was quite cold and then rained on us again and then we came out into like a desert into uh, Yakima yeah so rained on us hard for the first like two weeks like Washington was tough Montana we had a lot of rain and so their rule is like if it's if if there's lightning and thunder then you have to wait until 30 minutes after the most recent thunder strike but rains ago heat is a go. I think the rule was like it's 120 heat index is when they they will take you off the bikes. Hmm. And it sure felt like we hit that. in like Missouri, we were in like 105 degree weather with like 80 or 90% humidity. And hmm. coming from Jackson, Wyoming, I am not used to that kind of heat. So I was getting broken down. But yeah, rain or shine, heat, all of it.
0: And did your bike ever break?
1: I actually... I had some problems like with gear shifting just like wearing down and things like that some guys did have more problems but my bike personally i never even popped a flat tire which i don't know how that worked but yeah like some guys had 30 flat tires and i didn't have it yeah crazy but so like if your bikes did break then you would like hit like a a bike shop so every time every time you would go to a town there was the four vans so four squads What we called it, and each van had a responsibility. Like basically, as soon as you get there, and one of them was like errands, and almost always errands was going to the bike shop, getting some bike grease or bike cleaning, or you know, going to get repairs and things like that. And the other would be going to get more water and ice. And then another would be you'd clean the lodge as we leave in the the next morning. Oh, and the other would be scouting. So you go and scout the next twenty miles of the day, and like you paint the turns, so things like that. How's you go? Mm -hmm.
0: Did you ever? think or feel why am i doing this in the middle of it or some
1: not the overarching like why am i doing the whole summer never really occurred to me definitely certain acts within this within the Mm -hmm. summer like you know our loop-de-loops that we did with forty three hundred miles was definitely like what are we doing like we spent montana we basically traveled south for like a week and a half and while we gained i think overall like 105 miles after biking like 600 it was kind of like all right guys come on let's Uh, start heading East here. Never was I like during the summer, like, what am I doing here? I always kind of had that like understood.
0: But in Montana, let's go to that. So, but you're stopping and doing things, correct? And meeting with other organizations. And so this is about bringing awareness and raising money for people with disabilities. So what are some of the stops that you experienced?
1: So every time we hit, we'd actually always have a sponsored dinner, like almost every single night. So that would not, is not the friendship visit part, that's just people that hear about what we're doing or guys that have done it in the past and things like that. And they would provide us dinner, which was always incredibly special. But so to the friendship visits, it was basically, we were on a historic route. I think it was our 15th year that we had done the specific route that we were on. And so you make these connections with these like organizations and then you'd go back there. And like I said, they totally varied. Like some of them would be like if we had an off day, like we had an off day in Missoula. And we went in to a park when it was raining and we ate like breakfast burritos and hung out and did puzzles with this organization for like two hours and something like that. So that was great. And we were in Missouri and we went to a kid's camp, like I said, and they were on like tricycles and we like cleaned their tricycles and like helped them go through like a mm. car wash kind of thing. And all of it, that was really about, one aspect that was tough for me is these people and they would treat you like the people that you meet would treat you like you were absolute superstars and you were total heroes when you came in and they were unbelievably excited to see you. And the the, the analogy that we would all, often hear is people treat it like it's their Christmas. So they'd be so happy to see you. And it was very tough for us because we would only, we would jump into their lives for two hours and then we're out and then we're moving. And I'll probably be in these towns but I'll probably never meet them or see them again. And that was a really tough part for like a lot of us to deal with. And one thing that I kind of realized towards the end of it is a lot of people in their lives, like, and say you have a disability, a lot of people in your life are there because they're required to be there. It's your family or it's the people that you hire to take care of you or things like that. And so our kind of role, I would say in the summer is we were choosing to be there and we were putting ourselves through trouble to like, you know, like be in like support in unison with them. And then we would like. Yeah, we wanted to be there with them. And I think that was really what rose up and made it so special for them.
0: So you mentioned children with tricycles and you met with a group. Were those children with a disability?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was actually a mix. That specific one was, some of it was kids with Down syndrome and autism. Mm -hmm. That particular one was not even with a physical disability. So it wasn't any children in wheelchairs, but it was more mental disabilities. Mm -hmm. And that also was integrated with other kids that didn't have disabilities. And it was all about just like, treating them the same, you know, having this like providing them the same opportunities as children to make these bonds with other students and, you know, really spread awareness to even the kids that they're with that they're the same and that, yeah.
0: How did the reaction of those kids make you and your fellow writers feel when you came there? And then knowing that you had to leave two hours later, how did that make you feel?
1: The reaction was always... I guess I'd say. So, usually when you tell people about me, you know, something my summer, and it'd be like, yeah, I biked 120 miles and then I got off. And within 30 minutes, I had to put on real shoes and walk in and go attend a dance party for the next two hours where I have to be very high energy after doing something extremely grueling. And people would always be in react and be like, oh my gosh, like that sounds so brutal, it sounds terrible. And the reality of it is, is that they give you all the energy. Like that re- the initial reaction that you receive it just lightens you, just brightens your whole day. And you're just so excited. And you're just like, you have no other choice but to match their energy. And it's, it's, only, it's the easiest part, I would say, because then you show up and the initial reaction, you're so welcomed and everyone wants to come talk to you. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, like, how are you? How's yourself, you know? And then you make these bonds and you try to gather as much information and spread as much, you know, love that you can kind of with these people and just have like the most fun with them you can. And then the two hour time's up and someone's like, hey, all right guys, like we gotta go. It's definitely not the great feeling because now you're like, shoot, you know, I have this connection now. Like I really enjoyed this time and now I have to leave and I'm leaving town tomorrow, you know? So it was definitely very difficult to deal with. And oftentimes like the other riders I was with after friendship visits, we would we like sit down and like debrief and be like, whoa, like shoot, you know? Just like realizing that we're out, we're we're probably never gonna see these guys again. Mm.
0: But I bet you, you will be in their memory forever.
1: Totally. And they'll be in yours. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? The impact they had on me was probably more profound than the impact I had on them. What
0: did you learn from that?
1: Whoa, wow, a ton. So you, one of the questions in your survey was, uh, do you have any life changing moments recently? Mm -hmm. I was like, heck yeah, I had about 45 over the summer. It was almost like every other town you meet somebody and just be like, oh my, you know, like you're just an amazing individual. And it'd be the people that are like the clients or it'd be someone there just to help out. And what did I learn? That's hard to, I apologize. That's hard to put a thumb on. There was one, there was one experience we had in Olathe, Kansas that was probably one of the more profound of the summers. And so in Olesa, we met this guy named Mark Cameron. And so, Mark Cameron, he was non disabled all until he was about 34, I believe, is is when he happened. And he dove off a dock, not knowing it was shallow and broke his like C4 vertebrae, which led him to be a quadriplegic. So now he's unable to move from the armpits down. We had a day off in Aletha. We had like a 40 mile ride in. So quick for us at that point. And we had like a whole weekend plan. Like, I mean, two friendship visits, or I think three friendship visits in two days. We went bowling. We went to Texas Roadhouse. We went, hung out with like, p- like wheelchair rugby. I mean, we, it was a totally packed weekend and Mark Cameron Who was a a quadriplegic set up the entire weekend for us. Like he made all the calls. He had everyone like provide the meals or meet. we met with wheelchair rugby, the whole nine. But the most profound part of that weekend was Mark invited us to his home and he brought the whole team into his bedroom and he just sat there behind his desk and basically just talked to us for two hours. And it was just like, hey, I'm an open book, ask me whatever. So, I mean, we even asked him how we like, you know, would go to the restroom, you know, things like that. And then as much as, as far as I even asked him, what he considers the meaning of life to be things like that. Like it was just in completely and incredibly profound. Like we, uh, I have us were almost in tears by the time we were leaving. And he was just like such an inspiration. And the best part is like, he, cause he knew he was just like, no one wants to hear sit have me sit here and mope all day. It's like, yeah, I'll share what you guys want to hear, but I'm here to share, you know, funny stories and hear these incredible anecdotes and yeah, there's an incredible experience.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. I I do have some more questions for you about meeting with with Mark. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take a quick break to get a word cool. from one of our sponsors and then we're going to be right back. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle and join today. Peter, welcome back. You are just telling us a story about Olathe, Kansas, and you went into the home of mark cameron who's a quadriplegic and what was his meaning of life you asked him do you remember what he said
1: absolutely are you kidding me yeah so it's it's a tough question to ask you know and especially for a man who's like sitting there in a wheelchair in front of you so i honestly like it took me a while to even get up the courage to ask the man like what what the meaning of life is to be and he even sat there after i asked him the question and he was like wow Okay. And then basically his initial reaction was, I think it is helping others was his immediate like, and then he went on to tell this anecdote that he shared with. So before he was physically disabled, he worked for a construction company and he wasn't actually like a construction worker. I think he's on management. And there was this woman who was on a street and the woman was getting older and was having trouble getting up their first three steps into her home. And so she approached Mark or maybe Mark approached him. I can't remember exactly. And basically was like, hey, is there any chance that I could hire you guys to install a handrail for me to get up these first few steps? And Mark said, absolutely. So then he went to to his company and found a guy who could actually pull off the job and make the handrail. And they, you know, in the next few days, put together a handrail and installed it. And the woman was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This is amazing. How can I pay you? And Mark being the great guy he is, was, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about payment." And then, so she was instead was like, all right, I won't give you, I won't give you physical cash, but how about this? And hands him two jars of jam. And so Mark was like, you know, obviously thank you so much. And then he went back to the office the next day and he left the jar of jam on the desk of the man who was actually put together the handrail. And then once Mark was at his desk and the guy came up who made the handrail with the jar of jam and like was in tears and was like is this is this from the woman you know and mark was like yes and he was like i like this just like he was just like almost a lot at a loss for words over just a jar of jam just for doing like one nice thing like that and then another anecdote he kind of brought up was mark oftentimes has people come and help him because you know he needs a lot of help from you know going to restrooms or all, all sorts of things and so he profusely you know is grateful to the people and says thank you and this is so great And one guy after being there all day and it helped for a few weeks was like, Mark, I don't think you understand. I think I get more out of this than you get out of this. He's like, I go back to my wife and kids and I'm just beaming and I'm a better father and I'm a better husband. And this just makes my entire week, entire month just helping you. And he was like, I think that that is really the meaning. Hmm. Beautiful.
0: Of course, I have another question for you. Please. Being someone of your age, what was it like to see an adult individual, open themselves up to all of you younger adults, mm-hmm. to all of you rising next generation of who's going to lead our society. What was, what was that like for you and, and your friends?
1: Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, like I said before, like all of us were almost left in tears afterwards, after meeting them. it was for me, like almost like after experiencing that, I just had so many other questions and not just to Mark, to like, everybody else and like i I almost was just like why can't i ask what's the meaning of life to everyone why can't i go sit my grandma down and be like hey tell me everything tell me your regrets tell me your you know greatest you know achievements i don't know like tell me like what's the meaning of life and I don't know. I think it really opened my eyes because being, you know, the ignorant younger generation side, you're not implying that I'm sorry, dude, but like, no, no, being not, the, not at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. no, no, no. I'm sorry. I meant, I meant to say you're not implying that at all. I'm just saying like being the gen- younger generation, you know, you're usually so many people are caught up in me and what am I going to do with my life and what's, you know, what's my next step. And no one really stops to really like ask those kind of questions. I mean, I've definitely had some phenomenal conversations with people in the older generations, like teachers, parents, even grandparents, but I think it's definitely like a rare occasion to have those kind of tough conversations about I don't know like life, I guess. But yeah, I, yeah.
0: Do you think we as people allow ourselves to actually have those conversations enough? What's your opinion.
1: Personally, no, I don't think so at all. I don't right. think so at all. Yeah,
0: you can make a difference. Thank you. Do you see yourself now that you're back in school for this semester? that you're having a different type of conversation with some of your friends?
1: Absolutely. It's been actually very fascinating to go through these last few months because I obviously had a, like a life-changing experience over the summer and it was mm. like, completely amazing. And I came back and I wanted to accomplish some different things. I wanted to change the way in which I lived. So, like, it's like, I wanted to be a different human and pe- all my friends were great and they totally accepted that and things like that. And now it's been very fascinating because now it's been a few months. And it's been amazing to see, like, I've had a lot of friends who I haven't really had these conversations with are now approaching me and they're like, Hey man, do you want, just want to just like go on a walk? Like, I really need to like get some things off my chest. And now like, I feel like I'm on a point cause I've opened myself up to friends and they're like, yes, I want to have these conversations. You know, I can all share whatever I can be vulnerable. Like why, you know, why are we all that a lot more of my friends that I weren't, I wasn't having conversations about like, like these conversations with in the past, I now am. And like, it's, yeah it's been very fascinating just having that and just being like once I you know kind of go off and show that like I'll be vulnerable, let's have these conversations that i've been it's been reciprocated, and people will like will come back and do the same.
0: curious question for you. Mm-hmm. what does it mean to you to be vulnerable?
1: I think everyone obviously like has a wall up to some to some degree to me it's just i mean you don't have to share everything, and it's not about like it's not about like just spilling onto somebody and just like telling them. Your darkest fears and things like that i think it's i think it's a mutual kind of if that makes any sense at all like obviously yes you share some like get, get some weight off your chest what's on what's been on your mind like share something but i also think it's being vulnerable with someone else like being able to be there and to also be able to listen and like just let them be vulnerable
0: do you feel that that's a possibility when you're in high school
1: i do To a certain degree, I think like definitely you have some things in high school that you can discuss, but I definitely think like being the younger person you are, it's definitely harder to, Mm -hmm. and it's like, you're learning so much about yourself to begin with, Mm -hmm. that like, and everyone is having different experiences. I don't think it'd be tough, but I definitely think the older I'm getting, the better conversations I'm having. Okay.
0: I don't think you have the answers. I'm just curious from your opinion, yeah, because I'm, I'm appreciating this conversation. Yeah, um, me too, a lot. That I'm I'm just wondering if, you know, that high school level you're learning and figuring so much out about yourself and who your friends are and what's going on in the rest of the world, if more people of that age, no matter what generation they're from, if they could figure out how being vulnerable could actually help them grow and figure out where their direction in life is going or what they want to do right mm-hmm. then in that moment. Not that they have to have all the answers, but Totally. Just my opinion is when you're vulnerable, when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, there's, there's nothing hiding and, and you can be genuine, but unfortunately there's too much blowback at times that can come back and you got to put up barriers for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, when we were talking before the show and we were talking about social media, Mm -hmm. I think you're one of the few people, no matter what age that's not on social media, or if you are, you don't use it much. Mm -hmm. Why, why is
1: that? So I always have not been a huge fan of social media. I can't really tell you exactly why, but for some reason, I've just never really been really into it. Like I definitely, I definitely had social media and now I've like completely, like I've deleted accounts. I've deleted my Instagram accounts and Snapchat accounts and Mm -hmm. I still have Facebook because Facebook marketplace is so rad, obviously being in Jackson, you know, there's some great stuff you can find on there for great prices. And so, yeah, so there's pros and cons, but I don't know, to me, the way I've kind of put it to friends in the past like to me, if like, if you're not willing to like call me and like have a conversation and see how I'm doing, or even just shoot me a text or something like that, why do I need to be following you and seeing what kind of, you know, vacation you just went on? And I also, I was always able to like acknowledge the fact of the highlight reel, you know, have you, have you heard this like metaphor? No. Okay. So basically the highlight reel is only people only post on social media, what great things they're doing in their life. You know, it's like, I just went on this great vacation. I just went on this Mm. great backpack. I just went and had the greatest time in Cabo, you know, things like that. No one posts on social media when they're laying in bed on Sunday afternoon, you know, feeling like crap, like watching TV, you know, like that's not like, it's not very real. It's just like, and it's, it's like, and that's tough to see, like constantly, just like how well people are doing all the time, which I don't really like love. and I, I don't know. I have a lot of, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, it's, it's all good, Peter. Mm -hmm. I I have great respect for you for Mm -hmm. seeing that there's greater value in other ways of connecting with people Mm -hmm. through social media.
1: Yeah. And yeah, to me, it's just like, it's, yeah, it's a way of staying in touch with the way I put it like second and like third tier friends. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like people like, I remember when I did have social media, I was following people that weren't even my close friends who were from Ohio. And I like, I haven't seen them or spoken to them in five years. But I'm still seeing that they're like, they went to, you know, Aruba or I don't, you know, I don't know, whatever. And it's just like, what kind of role is that playing for me Mm -hmm. in my life? And what kind of role am I playing in their life Like why? And then also now there's a Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. Have you Mm -hmm. seen that? I haven't seen it. Okay. it. It basically is just some guys, some people who used to work in the social media industry and they basically... We're telling everybody like how like they won't even let their own children have social media because they know what mm. it does, and now it's like the whole the endless scrolling. Like you can scroll for days, and so basically mm. these these companies make money on how much time you spend on it, and so mm. they're programming to try to force you to like spend as much time as you can on social media, which just freaks me out.
0: Yeah, it's no. it's kind of wild there. No, <laughs> I mean my kids only get to watch TV two That's days a week. Yeah. That's good. We we'll yeah. make regular trips to the library.
1: Good. Heck yeah. Yeah.
0: So. The final leg of your trip, mm. you rode into Washington, D.C. Mm. Frame that up for us. Describe cool. that to everybody that's listening who didn't get yeah. to be there.
1: Yeah. So do you want to hear about like the, the arrival itself? Or you want to hear about like the last few weeks?
0: You tell me. It's your cool. story.
1: Right, great. So, yeah. So obviously the Rockies are a huge obstacle, and it was great getting up and over them. And the plains, I actually enjoyed a lot. Like Kansas was one of my favorite states. Mark Cameron was in Kansas, so that definitely helped. But it was just fun to see the planes. And then the Appalachians are the second big obstacle. And so that happened in the last like two weeks. And it was, I absolutely love the Appalachians. Totally, totally stunning. We'll, we'll, we'll do this. So the second to last day, I was telling yes. you about the the second day we went over Mount Rainier, that was a big, huge day. And the second to last day, we go through Shenandoah National Park. Mm. Uh, and that was, yeah, so spectacular day. It's 10,000 feet over 110 miles, like big day, but spectacular day. And we spent all day on what's called like the skyline trail. So basically we're on a ridge, of the Appalachians. And at the end of that day, this is probably like another one of the most like more profound moments of the trip, I'd say. And at the end of that day, we had about 10 miles left, but we were coming up on our last descent. And we, so we came out to this overlook and right after the overlook, we go down for like five, 10 miles and then we're done with the Appalachians. So then we, like me and the group I was with sat there at this overlook, like speechless for like 30 minutes, just looking, we couldn't see the water yet, but we just like looking into like you know, planes again. And we were like, Oh my gosh, this is it. Like our last obstacle is finally complete, like one more 70 mile day and we're arriving to DC. So that was an, that was an incredible experience. But then, so DC, the night before we get within 10 miles of DC. Yeah. So then we wake up next morning and we ride 10 miles to like a park near the Capitol building. And our main, the whole celebration, the arrival celebration is going to be on the Capitol lawn and so we get within 10 miles. I know my parents are there. I know like my sister's there. Everyone's there. Everyone's super excited. But we haven't seen them yet. And then so we get ready. We hop on a bike. And it was really special. It was the 35, 35th anniversary of the Journey of Hope. So the first one for the first team who did it 35 years ago, obviously. And so there was like 80 guys who had already done it before in years prior. And so they joined and they did like a three-ride trip or three-day ride. And then they were going to ride with us into D.C. And so... The guys who've done the cross-country trip were in the front and then like 80 cyclists were behind us. So It was this whole like, I mean, traffic stopping procession. Mm-hmm. And so we ride in and we round a corner and yeah, and there's like 300 plus people there all like welcoming us and cheering with signs. And it was amazing. But to be honest with you, I was expecting to like be brought to tears on the Capitol lawn and like totally be like totally like taken back and at a loss for words. And I couldn't, I can't really put like a finger on it, but I don't really know what happened, but I wasn't like, I I didn't have this like totally overcoming of emotion on the Capitol lawn. It was amazing to see my parents and things like that, but like I, it wasn't quite what I expected. It was amazing. Like I'm not taking back from it at all, but I, for some reason it just didn't quite hit, but we had like this great celebration and there were some speeches given and no, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful weekend.
0: I'm I'm so thrilled that you have those memories to share with that group of people. Thank you. When you guys started, did they encourage you or did you keep a journal?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So a whole, a whole nother aspect of this I haven't even brought up is so my grandfather, my mother's father, three years before I was born, he sadly passed two years before I was born, biked across the country as well. And he also started in Seattle. He did it through the American Lung Association. So he did it in like 50 days and much more direct route. But so on that, my Nana sent me his journal that he kept. Ah, so gosh. yeah, so which was a whole spectacular other side of this. And so as I was able to go along, I was reading his journal and his thoughts and like, what hit those stops that he was going on. Um, so from then right away, I was like, absolutely, I need to keep a journal. And it got tough at times, because we were so busy when it came to the friendship visits and biking mm-hmm. and all this that and the others. So some of my journal entries aren't very long, you know, a paragraph, but I definitely kept a journal. And yeah,
0: I got the chills when you said that, Peter, and <laughs> yeah. what a beautiful beautiful you know just connection with somebody that you never met that's in your family Mm -hmm. and how special that Mm -hmm. you were able to read his his thoughts while he did something that was so similar
1: of course and it was so amazing too because obviously like back then there wasn't really like cameras and i've seen videos of course but i'd never heard his voice before if that makes any sense and i was able to hear it through like through the journal and reading like his thoughts and it was like, again, in Kansas, I keep bringing up Kansas mm-hmm. when we both on the same day or like, not the same day, but I read on the same day when we crossed over at essential time and just reading like his thoughts and like about that was re- when it really hit, it was like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's crazy. I like, I have so many jumbled thoughts about it. It's hard to put much, much like words to it, but yeah, it was a spectacular and amazing experience to be able to like read along. And I feel so much closer to him and I feel so much, so much closer to my Nana afterwards mm-hmm. as well. That's beautiful.
0: I love yeah. it. What what an amazing way to to wrap up this this episode. Yeah. And Peter, I am extremely, extremely grateful and have an immense amount of respect and gratitude for you to share this experience, but for you to get out there and do something that is so challenging and impactful in other people's lives. And I'm sure you will continue doing that Mm-hmm. over the many many years that you have ahead of you
1: thank you i appreciate it a lot yeah it's been great to share like it's it's all, i always love talking mm-hmm. about it and my friends probably getting sick of me talking about it all the time but it's definitely it was an amazing experience for sure i appreciate having yeah. me on and yeah, allowing me to
0: yeah you're welcome i bet your friends are not t- sick of it
1: <laughs> yeah no they are but you know it's you don't, you don't want to shove some too far down people's throats mm-hmm. yeah you know, but
0: yeah yeah well, Peter, I'm gonna let you get back to your day because you are a student. I'm sure you have plenty to do. do. And it looks like it's a nice sunny day there in Boulder, Colorado. So enjoy your day. And when you get back here for the holidays, let's meet up and, and go for a walk, get a cup of coffee or something if you'd like.
1: I would love uh, to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Let's do it. Well, Peter, enjoy let's... your time there in school and we'll see you around soon. Thank,
1: Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate you it. Got it.
0: Take care. To learn more about Peter and his fraternity's adventure, visit the Connection.com, episode number 215. Please get out there and share this podcast on the Instagram, texting, emailing, Facebooky, however you choose to share. Thank you to my lovely wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William for all the support you give to me every single day. Thank you, Michael, for editing this podcast and doing the marketing. You've done this since day one. And folks, if you wanna create a podcast, reach out to Michael Morey. You can find his information in the show notes. I really appreciate you sharing your time with me today. Cheers till next week when I see you right back here for another episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.